As the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready to take on the Detroit Lions at Heinz Field this Sunday, we're at the midseason point, and now you start to look at who's setting up for what awards. Last week, we talked about Najee Harris versus Jamar Chase for Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's interesting because Najee Harris is creeping up on Jamar Chase. He's 13 all-purpose yards behind him and hasn't played has played one less game. But another race that's going to be even more prominent and one that Steelers fans are definitely going to be talking about is Defensive Player of the Year. Of course, Miles Garrett leads the NFL with 12 sacks, but right behind him with 11 and a half is TJ Watt, who's played two less games. I'm going to talk about Jenna Harner, about who win, who should win that award, who are the other competitors, and how this might play out over the second half of the season, along with breaking down all of the NFL games this weekend, and of course, giving you a final look and prediction into Steelers versus Lions. I'm Chris Carter here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen every day, because we are free and available on all platforms. This episode of Lockdown Steelers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it, and let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube state YouTube channel. Hit the like button in this video if you're watching it. Share it with your friends. We always appreciate it when you do. And as always, on Fridays, we're joined by the amazing Jenna Harner of Channel 11 of WPXI. Jenna, how you doing on this Friday? Chris, I'm absolutely wonderful. I feel like I always say this, but it is my favorite part of my Friday to be here doing this with you. We're going cozy. We're going casual on this Friday. <laughs> here. I'm going with my nice cozy sweater here. I ain't complaining. I, I feel you on that entirely. We need it. We need it. After the craziness that was Monday night, I think everybody's like in a weird, like the week got shifted by a day and we're all a little acting a little bit of sleep. So this is, this is a good way to, you know, end off the week here. Absolutely. It's always great to end my weeks here in Lockdown Steelers with you breaking things down. But let's get to today's topic at hand. And it's the question of defensive player of the year. It's a it's an award that Steelers fans have felt that uh that uh, TJ Watt should should have won. He should win every year. But he's been he's been a runner up for the last two seasons. And, it, and that's and that's that's real talk. That's that's not a that's not a joke. That's not a um uh, that, that you know, that's not that's not just hyperbole. He's been a real contestant for that for for that award, but he's lost it. To, he's lost it to Aaron Donald, who's just been a freak of nature. You know, in in those years, he is a phenomenal player. But right now, T.J. Watt, especially after his three sack night on Monday Night Football against the Bears, has put himself right amongst the tops, the top sack leaders in the NFL. Now, there was a poll recently done, I believe, by NFL.com that said that that, that put Miles Garrett as the current leader for the defensive MVP award. But with nine games played, Miles Garrett does lead the NFL with 12 sacks. That's a ridiculous pace that he's uh, he's on right now. But T.J. Watt, with seven games played, is just a half sack behind with 11 and a half. Other comparative stats. Miles Garrett has one more tackle for loss than TJ Watt, 12 to 11. He has, uh, TJ Watt has one more tackle than Miles Garrett, 34 to 33. TJ Watt has also forced three fumbles and recovered two. Miles Garrett has done not, has had zero of both of those categories. And TJ Watt has batted four different passes down, and Miles Garrett has only done one. Jenna, 
when you look at, at at both of these guys, both of them are phenomenal players, both playing for rivals in the same division. What do you see that's different about how TJ Watt gets his job done and Miles Garrett gets his job done? It's a very interesting way to kind of look at it too, because I think the criteria that I'm looking at first and foremost is just how much of an impact do these guys have on opposing defenses? How much can opposing defenses neutralize them? And how much can they use their star power to kind of, you know, beat opposing offenses? I think that's like the biggest part of this to me. And obviously what both of them are doing up to this point has been very stellar. I'm trying to remember who the Browns played where Garrett had five sacks. It might've been the Bears. It was the Bears. It it was the Bears who he lit up. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, you see T.J. Watt go and do the same thing. And then I just kind of look at it like, you know, you look at the numbers. They're all really close, and you always have to take into consideration, too, the fact that, okay, T.J. has played two less games than Miles Garrett, and he's still putting up this amount of production. You look at the teams who they face. You look at what they've been able to do, how much they're double-teamed. I found it kind of interesting, and I mean, obviously, you dive into the film a little bit more, but we really saw... You know, Dan Moore Jr. really limit Miles Garrett when the Browns played the Steelers. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the Steelers didn't have to double him as much as I feel like we see opposing defenses do to TJ. No. Maybe I'm wrong in that sense. No, I mean, one thing they left Dan Moore Jr., a fourth round pick of a rookie, out yeah. there by himself plenty of times. In, in in that game and he did you know and then Damore Jr. looked out of his out of his element he there were times that he was giving up pressure but Ben Roethlisberger was only sacked once by Miles Garrett all game and the Steelers were able to run the ball when they wanted to I mean Miles Garrett was neutralized for the most part he was not he did not compromise the Steelers offense in a way that when you think of a fourth round draft pick rookie who you know and not a not a, an offensive tackle you're paying a lot of money to not an offense and not a team triple teaming Miles Garrett on every single play when you look at that and you you think man like that that should have been another four or five sack game for Miles Garrett and it wasn't And it wasn't. And granted, obviously, you have to look at things with a bigger sample size. Yes, it was just one game, but I think it's kind of almost interesting in the fact that if you're comparing these two guys, both in the AFC North, both playing very similar schedules, especially within the division, then you can kind of look and make the comparisons a little bit easier. So I think this will be for the AP voters voting in this at the end of the season. This will make things in a weird way a little bit easier for them because they'll have a lot of similarities to look at between the two and granted things can change you know from here on out I'm sure Aaron Donald is going to continue to be in the conversation you and I were talking before Trayvon Diggs will probably be part of this conversation as well but if you're looking at the top two guys where they are right now it's kind of easy to see some of the similarities and really be able to like from a statistical perspective look at things and be like okay this is what this guy did against this team this is what this guy did against that same team how did they compare and maybe you know get some sort of okay you know, the stats back it up. We're going with Garrett or we're going with TJ Watt because the stats are here and they played similar teams. Exactly. And that's the thing. They're going to play a lot of similar opponents and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot. And again, the same position, because another thing that TJ Watt has run up against is that Aaron Donald defensive tackle, when he gets double digit sacks, it's another level of impressive because yeah. it's just it's easier to double team those guys. Center guard, bam, go get him. And, and then you can even throw a running back in on there. But 
edge rushers, you deal with the similar kind of struggles. Offensive tackles are keying in on you. Tight ends will try to chip you. Running backs will go out wide to chip you. Heck, it, on the on the the game winning sack when he sacked and forced Geno Smith to fumble, he was triple teamed by the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks, and T.J. Watt still found a way to get there. That's that's where I see you know people need to look at this objectively and, and see what are both of these guys doing in big games. And that's why there's no way to determine who will win it right now because it's going to yeah. come down to who comes who comes up big in the big games what you know what big games are there for their teams because oftentimes these voters they'll look at when it when your team needed you to either make the playoffs win the division do whatever you needed to do where were you when did when did you make those big plays it, it could end up being if tj watt is making the, i mean and the, these, these teams play each other late in this late in the season and i believe on monday night football it could, could come down to you know who makes the big play in that game that might change things that might tip a voter either direction yeah, and it is kind of nice to see both of them kind of going against each other because I think, you know, just looking at where the teams are at right now, both of the teams in a little, in a way, kind of feel a little similar where it's like, okay, they're still trying to figure out these aren't crazy high powered offenses by any means, or at least when they played each other, they weren't. Right. Um, so, again, how do you make the big plays on the big stage in the big moments when your team needs you? And again, we saw TJ Watt do that, we saw him come up very big multiple times um, against the Bears on Monday night in particular. But again, you mentioned the Seahawks game. We've seen a lot from him, and he's somebody too. Again, he's played two less games. He's come back from an injury, and to be able to do all of this when he came back from an injury, I mean, granted, I don't think that's a huge part of the criteria that the committee, or not, I don't want to say committee, that the voters are really looking at, but that's something they probably could take into consideration. You know, he had the groin injury, how severe it was, it limited him for two games, and then you come back and you're still able to perform at this consistent level. I think that's impressive in itself. It certainly is. There's a lot of different circumstances that you have to take in for both players. Um, but again, it's going to be an interesting season. These are two teams that everyone's going to have their eyes on for not just the AFC North, but the AFC in general. You know, the Browns were a, t a preseason team that a lot of people had pegged to be, you know, a Super Bowl contender, an AFC championship contender. And, uh, you know, they 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 str they've struggled out the gates. They, they, you know, talked a lot of trash heading to the Steelers game and the Steelers were able to handle the business in Cleveland. We'll see what happens when they face each other in Pittsburgh down the stretch in the home season. But certainly T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett having two defensive MVP candidates just two hours from each other. Cleveland Again, Cleveland is right down the street from Pittsburgh when right you look there. at the map. It, it, this is this is going to be some exciting talk as the year goes on. Um, the Browns, uh, the the Browns, I believe. Um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at looking at the schedule here. They they play the Patriots this week. I'm not sure when their bye week is. It might be in a couple weeks here. Um, but uh, you know, oh no, no, there. Yeah, I guess it's not week 12 either. Week 13 is their bye, so that will be the week wow. that if if so they they have they have several more games to go here. But uh, week 13 being their bye week, that's going to be the time when maybe TJ Watt can make a jump in his ju jump up in his stats and pass. But hey, I mean, this past week, Miles Garrett played and he played and he gained, gained some serious ground. He's only a half game back. And again, he's played two less games. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see if TJ Watt finishes on the pace that he's at right now. It's going to put put you know put a lot more ammunition into the fans of some of the Steelers who say that you know he, he's been snubbed the last two years if he doesn't get this one. And what was it? Uh, the stat that I read earlier this week. Watt is the fourth player, fourth fastest, yeah. fourth fastest player to reach sixty sacks in NFL history. He did it in sixty nine games. Nice. And the only players faster than him were Reggie White, 
uh, J.J. Watt and Derek Thomas, two, three amazing players. His older brother, of course, being one of them. But, I mean, he's just he's on fire. And I believe he's on pace right now career-wise to become the Steelers' all-time leading sack getter by mid-next season. Like, like, like. That's ridiculous. You're That's just, a, it's beyond impressive. Like one great company to be in, but two, to be able to do that in the short period of time he has been in the NFL, it's just beyond impressive and a testament to who he is as a player. And obviously I think last year, you know, we saw a lot of Steelers fans think, you know, he was snubbed for that award because he did have more sacks and all that. And, you know, but there's so much criteria, obviously, that goes into this. So this will be kind of interesting to see, you know, if he continues on this pace, if Miles Garrett continues on this pace, if we see more from Diggs, if, you know, Aaron Donald keeps playing how he's been playing, how this shakes out kind of, you know, in the next quarter to third of the season here. Absolutely. We'll be keeping an eye on this race. I'm sure we're not done talking about it. I'm sure it will come up several more times this year, but we do have other things to talk about. We got a, we got a schedule of NFL games to get through. Um, we'll be doing that in just a bit, but first I got to tell you about our sponsors at McDonald's. This episode of Lockdown Steelers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has been around and, and has been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries of uh, and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. It's sometimes the place where Chris goes when he knows that he's like, listen, I've had a long day of writing this week. I need some fries. I need a milkshake. I need something. So I go to my local McDonald's and get and get my refuel on to get back in, back in the game. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect as McDonald's, always the place to, to, to do that. And I'm Chris Carter here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast here to tell you that I'm loving it. Back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter here with Jenna Hunter of Channel M WPXI. We just went through all that all that talk here and now we're here to to give you our week 10 picks it's crazy that we're already this far into the season but here we are giving you our week 10 picks jenna um we've had a we've we've had an interesting season so far it's been you know we, we've had some surprises last week normally there's there's certain games that i peg in my schedule I'm like okay this one I can I can guarantee I got this. None of that counted. The Cowboys, no. The Bills, no. They lose to the Jaguars. They lose to the Broncos. Uh, you know, so the games that I thought I had, my survivor pool, like two weeks ago, I was perfect. I had no strikes. I played a three. I play in two different survivor pools that have three strikes. I have gained two strikes in both pools in the last two weeks because now the NFL wants to get unpredictable. Go figure. Yep. Naturally, I think I joked with you on the Fantasy Football Insider show that we do with WPXI. I was like, if there's anything we learned about last week in the NFL is that nobody knows anything because, my God, you love some parody, but you at least like to think that, you know, Josh Allen with the Bills is going to be better than Josh Allen on the Jags. Sheesh. It, we, yeah, it, it, there was a lot of that going on. Now, we're about to give our picks here. But before we do, we got to remind you about our RunYourPool.com Pick'em League, which you can join at any point in time by using the link below. And if the winner at the end of the season who has the most wins picked will be, uh, will be, will have, will win a Steelers jersey from RunYourPool.com. Um, and uh, congratulations to last week's single game winners. We had a lot of winners last week. We had a lot of people go nine and five. Again, everyone else 
thought the Bills and the Cowboys would win, and I think that showed. But going through right re- real quick here, Fengelman, Fernando Hidalgo, uh, C. Knight Pipe, that's an interesting name, J.M. Vasil J., Nissan 14, Dan the Man, Phil DeLuca, Mexico Dan, Swaggy Sloth, Jose, and Sean's Rabblings. Congratulations, you all won the first place last week. And now, so in, in first place, we have a tie between Dan J and Dan the Man. They've been neck and neck all season long with your picks. But, Jenna, let's give them our picks for who we're seeing this season. First and foremost, let's get let's kick it off 1 o'clock. Now, remember, we, we record these on Friday, you know, going into Friday. So Thursday night football is out of the question with the Ravens-Dolphins. But we start with an interesting matchup. The 4-4 four and four Falcons at the 6-2 Cowboys. The Falcons pulled off a big victory, almost gave up a, another big, big, uh, you know, big lead that they had over the Saints last week. But the Cowboys are coming off a really tough loss. I'm sticking with the Cowboys. I think they figured it out this week. But that game last week was certainly an alarm. Yeah, I think I think to Dak coming back, you could see he was rusty. I think that yeah. was a big part of that loss to the Broncos. So I'm going with the Cowboys in this one too. The Falcons do have a little bit of steam, but again, I still think you know they're due for one of those really good wins. You know, a nice solid win. Also, the Saints are just kind of a question mark in itself. So I, I'm going with Dallas here because I think they're just a little more consistent. And this is going to be a game they get back on track in. Here's two other teams that uh, that, that get random wins when you don't expect them to. The the two and six Jaguars at the four and five Colts. The Jaguars just knocked off the Bills. The Colts, I don't know what they are. One minute they're looking decent, then they're giving up leads, then they're throwing. Carson Wentz is throwing left-handed pick sixes in his own end zone. I don't know what what to make of them. I'm sticking with the Colts here because I really like Jonathan Taylor. I think he can keep them out of making as many dumb decisions. Um, I also think that the Bills might be have in, having some of their own issues, but I'm going to stick with the Colts because I think that they're they're at home. They need this win. The Jaguars, they had a big win last week. I'm, I'm not so sure how this team is going to handle success. This is going to be kind of one of those things, too. I'm with you. I'm going the Colts in this one. But for the Jags, again, this is they're bound like statistically you're just due. You're going to win a couple games. They're not going to. I mean, granted, you know, the Cleveland Browns didn't do it a couple years ago, but you're going to win games. You're going to find some consistency. You're going to win a game you shouldn't win. And I think the Bills offensive line in that game was one of the big reasons why the Jags had themselves pretty easy day and when Josh Allen doesn't play well you know what that offense can do or I should say can't do so I'm going with the Colts in this one just because again I think they have a little more consistency I think Jonathan Taylor is going to get himself really he's going to get himself going versus the fact that the Bills I mean their run game isn't their strength of their offense so that was shown against the Jaguars last week and I just don't know if the Jags are going to have an answer for what Taylor's been able to do week in week out here. Agreed here. Now, here's a really interesting game. Five and four Browns at five and four Patriots. The Brown, the Browns, a team that a lot of people picked to be picked to be doing really well. And again, a Super Bowl contender this year. But the Patriots, a team that, you know, a lot of people didn't expect much. Rookie quarterback, a lot of things, a lot of things going on there. Bill Belichick after Tom Brady, yada, yada, yada. Now they've dug themselves out of a hole and now they're five and four with a winning record. And no, not out of the playoff race here. They're at home in Foxborough. But I think the Browns, they're coming off a really big win over the Bengals. I think that this is something that they continue to ride. I also don't trust the Patriots as a team right now. I'm going to go with the Browns being able to run the ball in this game and win on the road. But if the Browns lose this game, it's going to be a lot of problems because they'll drop to 5-5 and and put themselves in an even bigger hole in this playoff chase. Yeah, this is a very interesting game to me, and it's kind of funny because I feel like the Patriots have quietly been putting together a lot of wins. They're undefeated on the road. That in itself is weird to say with a rookie quarterback. 
it's a testament to Bill Belichick and what he does. But I think the Browns defense, if the Browns defense can do what they did last week against the Bengals, just the way they were able to make plays, the fact that they're getting guys back healthy, they're really gelling as we saw them gel. And then you say to your quarterback, hey, we can put up points as a defense, but we need you guys to be consistent. Um, I do believe Chubb went on the COVID list earlier this week. However, reported, say, re- reported, okay, it's been reported or reports say one of the two. We're doing well. Um, reports say uh, he is vaccinated. So there's a chance he comes off um, the COVID list. If he plays and the defense plays the way they played, I think the Browns should win this game. I'm going with the Browns, but the Patriots can make it interesting. Watch out for that. I think they will make it interesting, and it will be a close one, um, yeah. but we will see. And again, again, that'll be really interesting. Whoever comes out on top in a 6-4, and four, lots will be said about them on uh, Monday after this game. Now, here's an AFC East showdown. A few weeks ago, I would have said, this is my survivor pick, but man, the Bills have let me down of late. They're 5-3, and three, and they're going to the 2-6 and six Jets, and we have been confirmed. It's official, Jenna Harner. Mike White is starting. I'm going to do it. I'm picking the upset special. The Jets are for real when Mike White is at quarterback. Uh, I may be drunk. I may be crazy. I don't know about this. But I just feel like the with the way the Bills have been playing, they've let me down more than a few times. This is a time for the Jets. They're at home. Mike White is back. The team believes in him. They're going to find some stupid way to win this game. It'll be a game. It'll look a lot like that Bears game we saw against the Steelers on Monday night. A lot of things that don't make sense and a lot of things that are stupid, but somehow the Jets are going to find find a way to win. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Are you sleep-deprived over there? Are you I am, okay? actually. Hey, what's happening? <laughs> Do you need anything? Can we help you? Coffee. Lots Ooh, of coffee. Got you covered there. <laughs> uh, I'm going with the Bills because I don't trust the Jets. I do really like what Robert Sala has done. There's no denying Mike White is going to come out and play well. But as someone who used to cover the Bills – I know what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and what that organization and what offensive coordinator Brian Dable, defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, what this team does after a loss like that. Josh Allen taking a lot of ownership, you know, some uh, words that we can't say on the podcast or that can't be said on television in his postgame press conference about his play. The, the Bills have some question marks at offensive line, but they are not going to let what happened against the Jags happen against the Jets, especially in a division game. They know how much is at stake here. This is a perfect bounce back game. I still don't think it's going to be pretty until their offensive line really gets as healthy as they were to start the season. Mm-hmm. But I'm going with the Bills. This is going to be a fun one. <laughs> this this could be the easy game that Jenna picks up on me now. Um, let's look at Saints-Titans. Two teams dealing with a lot of different injuries. Uh, the Saints, of course, down at quarterback. The Titans, of course, down Derrick Henry. But I'm sticking with the Titans. The way they played against the Rams impressed me. Maybe they don't keep that up throughout the rest of the season. Maybe that was just a one-day thing. They did have virtually two pick sixes, one that was returned for touchdown, one that was taken to the two. But I'm going to go with them. I just think that the Saints, as good as their defense has been this year, the Titans should be able to do enough to win this game. Yeah, I think so. And I think the Titans' defense really stepped up last week, and that's something I feel like they can kind of continue to ride They can say, hey, we know that our offense lost one of our biggest playmakers, so we are going to back you guys up. We're going to be there to make those key plays against a really good quarterback like they did last week. So, granted, obviously the Saints quarterback situation, I feel like you drop off a lot from playing the Rams a week, um, the week prior if you're the Titans defense, and I think they're going to be the reason why the Titans win this game. Absolutely here. I agree with that sentiment. Um, Let's look at Buccaneers-Washington. I mean – 
six and two versus two and six. Although I guess you could say similar things about the Bills, but the Buccaneers, they're not struggling the way that, that the Bills have of late. I'm gonna stick with Tom Brady. He's gonna find a way to win this game. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Bucs are coming off a bye. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that that's that's Trust me, my fantasy team right remembers because I had like several of them sitting on my bench. I had to play Mac Jones last week, and that was a Ooh. horrible decision. I was like, Ooh. this might be fun. No, it was no. not. So I uh, I hurt without Tom Brady in my lineup, but I'm going with the Bucs here again. They're a consistent team. This is kind of what Tom Brady does well. He comes off a bye. He lights things up. I kind of expect a big performance from him here in this one. It would certainly be a, a time to have a big Tom Brady performance. Well, heck, after their bye week last season, they went undefeated and won the Super Bowl. So uh, I'd say that they have a pretty good track record over there of doing well after the bye. Moving forward here, um, NFC, NFC showdown, the 4-5 and five Panthers at the 8-1 and one Cardinals. I don't care if Kyler Murray plays. The Cardinals are winning this game. San Darnold is just bad. Yeah, and they're exploring options at quarterback. When you have your head coach basically pointing the finger at your quarterback saying, we can't be giving the ball up like we are, cough, cough, Sam Darnold, stop throwing interceptions. <laughs> Things aren't good in Carolina. Things are not good. So I'm going with the cards because last week was kind of the prime example. You're without Kyler Murray. You're without DeAndre Hopkins. You're still making plays. You're still finding ways to win. James Conner has been having a fantastic season. So good to see that for him. Their defense stepped up as well. I think the cards are just a really complete team right now, regardless of where they're at injury-wise. And I think this should be a game that they win pretty easy. It certainly should be. We will see if that follows through. Five and three Chargers hosting the three and five Vikings. I mean, the Chargers are coming off, of, uh, coming off. Of, you know, uh, I think I believe a bye week last week, or did they play last week? I forget when their bye was. No, they played the Eagles. They barely beat the Eagles last week with their yeah. bye before that week. Um, but the three and five Vikings, they've been struggling. I know the Chargers aren't exactly the best team right now, but they should better win this game at home. The Vikings remind me of what the Chargers did last year where they just couldn't win a one-possession game. Like, for the Vikings, yeah. it seems like it always comes down to the end and they always find ways to lose or the opposing team kicks a field goal to win it as time expires. Like, that's just what the Vikings are doing this season, unfortunately, from the small sample size that I've seen. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers here. I think Justin Herbert continues to kind of build. It was good for him to kind of have the bye week. And for him to win those close games like they weren't able to do last year, that's a big boost of confidence for him. Again, the Vikings have also too many question marks for me. So I'm going Chargers. Chargers there. Let's go to Eagles Broncos. Uh, Eagles three and six at five and four Broncos. The Broncos with an impressive win over the Cowboys. I'm I'm actually gonna go with the Broncos. I, you know I think they 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 they're a better they have a better defense. Um, they have a rushing attack that might give the Eagles some fits. The Eagles I don't think they know who they who they want to be. Uh, but the Broncos all of a sudden are at five and four. They're in that same range with the Browns and the Patriots right in that mix to to be fighting in with the playoffs. Yeah, I feel like I have to go Denver here, although a little bit of me wants to lean towards Philly only because of what Deontay, Devontae Adams, or not Devontae Adams, oh my gosh, Devontae Smith. I'm just mixing up names left and right here (laughs) uh, with what Devontae Smith did last week with his performance. But I don't think that the offense has had that consistency enough for me to feel confident in picking them. I think the line is, you know, two and a half right now. So this is going to be a close game. But I think Denver just has a little bit more experience in their unit as a whole to be able to say, hey, we're, you know, we can fight through these tough games. We can win a close game. And I think they're going to continue to kind of stay in the mix there. They certainly could um, if they if they pulled it, they pull this off. Um, they wouldn't go away. 
three and five Seahawks at seven and two Packers. Now, Russell Wilson is supposed to return from injured reserve this week, mm-hmm. from what I understand. And there's still a question as far as Aaron Rodgers. Will he be back in time? You know, I, yeah, even if he's back Saturday, he won't have a week of practice. I'm doing it. I'm picking the Seahawks. I know they're three and five. I know they, they've struggled. But the Packers, they did not look good last week with Jordan Love against the Chiefs, a defense that I thought Jordan Love might be able to light up and say, hey, maybe I, maybe I am the future here in this franchise. Um, and even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, I know he's Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, not being able to practice for basically two weeks against the Seahawks team with a Russell Wilson raring to go, I, I think that there's going to be some things there. And I think the Seahawks can go on the, go on the road and steal one from the Packers. I think this game has so many fascinating storylines to me because mm-hmm. obviously you just look at the quarterback matchup if Rodgers can play and you say this is going to be a fun one. But with Wilson coming back, his first game since having the surgery on his finger, obviously Aaron Rodgers, if he does play, coming in, wanting to prove a whole lot of people wrong and say, hey, let's stop all the talk about everything outside of football and let's talk about what I can do with a football. I think that if Rodgers plays the Packers have a whole lot better of a chance at winning this game. But I think there's too much uncertainty with potentially his status if he comes out of the COVID protocol. And even then, he hasn't had a week of practice, whereas Russell Wilson has kind of been working his way back. He's ready to go. He wants his team to kind of get back into the swing of things. So I'm going with you. I'm picking Seattle, but it's going to hinge a lot on what happens with Rodgers as the week, um, as the, you know, late week progresses. Certainly. Sunday Night Football Chiefs at Raiders. AFC West Showdown. Chiefs are 5-4. and four. Raiders are 5-3. and three. Raiders coming off a tough loss uh, last week to your Giants. That was the team that I was clowning the Giants on. They pulled it off. The G-men. Going Couldn't in believe it. You could, <laughs> even Couldn't the Giants fan is like, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> no, I'm sitting there watching that game. I was home with my parents, and – my mom's like so excited. She's she's the diehard Giants fan. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, they're going to blow this game. She's like, don't say that. I'm like, trust me. They always lose by a field goal. And they didn't. Shouts to Xavier McKinney. Great performance there. Awesome. But do the Raiders bounce back this week? This is a Raiders team that's been been good for most of the season. But now you're facing a Chiefs team that needs to get this win. I've been back and forth of this game. I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm saying the Chiefs because they desperately need this game. The Raiders need it too. But I, I just something has to click for this offense at some point. I don't I'm not saying the offense will get back to what it used to be for the Chiefs, but something has to click here soon. It's just otherwise, this is going to be a very bad spiral. That's why I'm going with the Raiders because that something hasn't clicked yet. And it's Patrick Mm. Mahomes and just, I think their defense, we talked about it kind of week in week out. The chief's defense is not the chief's defense of the super bowls and making it to the super bowl. I think that the Raiders are going to bounce back again. You have those ugly losses in particular against a team like the New York giants. They just seem to win those games. They shouldn't win a 2007 super bowl. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, But I think Derek Carr and what that offense is capable of doing. They've just gone through so much turmoil this year, obviously, with the John Gruden situation, with the Henry Rugg situation. They've still kind of found a way to keep themselves afloat. I'm going with the Raiders in this one, but this could be a very interesting Sunday night game. It very well could be uh, Monday Night Football, 7-2 Rams at 3-5 and five Niners. I mean, Rams lost a tough one to the Titans. They're not losing this one. The Niners aren't a good team this year. They're falling 3-6. and six. Rams are winning this one easy. Yeah, and especially with the Bailey, I feel like I see updates almost every week about the Niners having another player that just gets hurt. They're having a lot of injury, um, a lot of bad luck when it comes to injuries this season. Unfortunately, um, you never want to see that. But I think the uh, Rams are just way more of a complete team. And, you know, again, you have bad losses. Um, so I'm going the Rams. Also, 
Shout out to Matthew Stafford. I don't know if you saw the video that kind of made its way around Twitter where he walked into the house the next morning and saw his three daughters and they ran up to him and, you know, they were like, daddy, we watched you on TV. And one of the daughters (laughs) asked him, did you, did you win? And he said, no, we lost. And they all got a little sad. He's like, that's okay though. Sometimes in life you lose. And like, it was the greatest. It was like such a sweet and heartwarming moment. I'm just like, oh, so that also plays into my decision. (laughs) Well, I, I got to say, I mean, obviously he's not doing his he's not doing a service to his daughters because uh, he's saying sometimes life you lose. You were with the Lions for, for, for like eight years. How do they not know that sometimes life you lose? I'm just I mean, come on, man. It's a great valid point. <laughs> but OK, all things all things aside, we got to talk about this Steelers matchup. One p.m. Heinz Field against the Lions. Before we do that, I got to tell you about Get Upside. Hey, Steelers fans, this is Chris Carter with an incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs snowball. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents uh, per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can use you can cash out anytime by going to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Again, that's promo code TOUCHDOWN on the GetUpside app. Wrapping things up here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with Jenna Harner. We're breaking things down. Lions versus Steelers. Now, Jenna, this is a game where every Steelers fan is thinking, oh, God, not the trap game. Not this, the, the team that, that Mike Tomlin's supposed to beat. No, it's coming. And, like, you know, it's going to be – I actually think this game is going to be closer than, of course, their records are. 5-3 and three versus 0-8. Oh the Lions haven't beaten anybody. They've come very close several times. They almost beat the Ravens if it wasn't for a Justin Tucker 66-yard uh, field or something ridiculous like that. Uh, but this is a Lions team that does have weapons on it. Mike Tomlin talked about those weapons on his Tuesday press conference. Of course, DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, uh, you know, being chief among them. But Jenna, what what do you think is the biggest factor in this game that the Steelers have to either capitalize on or be worried about? I think it's something that we go back to consistently week in, week out. The offensive line, in particular, just them taking another step forward. We heard you t- you and I talked about this. You were talking about this with Coach Tomlin, but we saw the offensive line take a little bit of a step back against the Bears. They didn't have their best game. We didn't see the run game really get going. Obviously, you saw a lot of the jet sweeps get worked in, things on those lines. But this needs to be a game where the offensive line controls the trenches and basically says, hey, look, we are going to win the battles. We know we should win. We are going to continue to play well. We're going to see good things from Kendrick Green. We need those, like, especially with the rookies, that's a game where they learn from. This is a game where they look back at the tape and say, okay, here's the areas where we did wrong. We're getting into the thick of the season here. This is usually kind of when things are starting to kind of tail at the end of a college schedule a little bit, obviously not crazy, but this is kind of, you know, closer to the end of the college season, whereas we know how much longer the NFL season is for these rookies. So for Kendrick Green and Dan Moore, how are they going to respond from not their best games offensively? How is this offensive line going to continue to progress? And if they are able to get the run game going against a Detroit defense, who I believe is fourth worst at stopping the run. Yes. 
then in that case, I think we're going to see a lot of good things. It's also looking ahead at the weather. I know it's still a little bit early, but it looks like it's going to kind of be a little bit of a gross day, rainy, snow mix, a little chilly. This is when, as an offense, you need your ground game to go, and that is going to be a huge factor here for me. Absolutely. This has to be a game where Najee Harris and the offensive line show some growth. I thought they took a step back in this last game against the Bears. We'll see if they could take another step forward. Um, you got to lock down DeAndre Swift. You got to lock down TJ Hawkinson. Those are the two primary threats that, uh, that Jared Goff has been relying upon Jamal Williams as well out of the backfield. But in this game, I think the Steelers handle their business. I'm saying 20 to 14 Steelers close one. It's going to be an ugly one. I think there's going to be some crazy plays just like this past Monday night on a short week, but I do think the Steelers come out with a victory. What say you Jenna? I'm going 27, 21 Steelers. I do think they come out with a victory. I think it's going to feel a lot closer as the game kind of goes on, this is going to be a game where there's some ugly turnovers. This might be a game where we finally see the Steelers defense have a pick six, something like that. I feel like we keep saying Mika Fitzpatrick. We've been is saying due. it. <laughs> Mika Fitzpatrick is due. You feel like this kind of would like set it up perfectly. Jared Goff's going to have an ugly throw. A ball's going to get tipped at the line. Cam Hayward's going to do something in that way, the way he's been making plays. I think that's really what we're going to see. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to feel way too close for comfort for a lot of Steelers fans, especially because, again, the whole talk this week, the dreaded trap game, looking too far ahead. This is a game the Steelers should win, and if they want to keep any playoff hope alive and any division playoff hope alive or division hopes alive in itself, this is a game you come out and make a statement and say, we will win this game. We have the weapons. We're a better team. We're going to prove it on the field. There you have it. Chris Carter and Jenna Harner both agreeing the Steelers will go 6-3 and three this week by beating the Lions. We break, we'll be breaking that game down, of course, right here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. A little bit early on Sunday. It's a, it's a, it's a home game on 1 o'clock, so I'll get home that evening, be able to put it up a little earlier than I did this past week and after the Monday night football game. So stay tuned with more on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Jenna, thanks so much for joining us. As always, let people can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Well, thank you so much for having me, as always. Best parts about Fridays. Uh, you can find me on uh, Insta Twitter, at JennaHarner11, Instagram, Jenna underscore Harner, and WPXI uh, pretty much nightly. We have uh, a whole lot of stuff, as we always do. Chris joins us for uh, Fantasy Football Insider, The Final Word, Black and Gold Zone, all those fun things. Absolutely. It's always a great time at Channel 11. Thank you, Jenna, for being on here every Friday. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm Chris Carter, host of the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Catrice. Read my work at DKPittsburghSports.com. Find me here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on Sundays on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and of course, YouTube. Like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave us five-star reviews with positive comments on Apple. That stuff gets you shout-outs at the end of the show. Thanks again for listening and watching. We'll see you on Sunday night, breaking down what happened with Steelers versus Lions.